Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Hey guys, welcome to episode 502 of Talking Metal, a very special episode. I'm going to call it the Iron Maiden special. Joining me as co-host today and also the interviewer, Mitch LaFon. Mitch, how are you? Good, good. Pleasure to be here. And by the way, uh, congratulations on 500. And uh, you had Nita Strauss on that one, who was one of the Iron Maidens. Yeah, that's true. Although she told me she wasn't ever an official member. It sounds like she was more just a, a gun for hire in that band. Yeah, but still, it, it's uh, we've got a whole Iron Maiden theme going on today. So yeah, very much looking forward to it. Great band. A, a band I'd like to see at, of course, which festival? Heavy Montreal. Montreal. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It'd be great to see them there. And we have two of the three Iron Maiden singers on the podcast today. We have not Bruce Dickinson, but Blaze and Paul. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I had a chance to interview both recently, and I also had a chance to hang out with Blaze at his show in Montreal. And uh, what an incredibly phenomenal show. Incredibly nice guy in person, too. Um, You know, he started the show on time, which is always a pleasure. Uh, Did his songs, and then at the end did seven or eight Maiden songs, Fear of the Dark, Trooper, A Man on the Edge, and all this stuff, just brought the house down. And then when the show was over, he stood on stage and he said, listen, folks, I'm not going to my dressing room. I'm going right there to the merch booth. And he pointed to it because it was right next to the stage. Right. And he sat there until the bar emptied. And everybody either got a CD, a signed um, picture with him, whatever you wanted. And he didn't oblige you to buy the merch. If you had a Maiden album that you brought with you, he'd sign that. No $20 fee, no super-duper deluxe package where you have to pay hundreds. No. I mean, absolutely rare, rare, rare thing to see. So so kudos and, uh, you know, good on good on Blaze. So if he comes to your town, go support him because he'll, he'll take care of you. And the thing is, both of these interviews, by the way, guys, have, have previously aired on Mitch's podcast, which is one-on-one with Mitch LaFon, which you can subscribe to on iTunes or you can listen to it through TalkingMetal.com or on Spreaker, whatever outlet you prefer. It's it's generally there. Well, let's uh, just mention if you have yeah. a Google phone, uh, head over to Stitcher yes. because it's uh, very important. Yeah, Stitcher and iHeart. And, and- Two- 
TuneIn, Stitcher, Spreaker, Tune iTunes, and iHeart. So there you go. Yeah. So so both of these interviews have aired on Mitch's show. And if you enjoy the interviews and you don't currently subscribe or listen to Mitch's show, definitely do yourself a favor and subscribe to it on iTunes or, or however you get your podcast. So on that note, I want to get into the the Deano interview first. Yeah. And let's listen to a little Paul Deano with Iron Maiden. This is a song called Remember Tomorrow that Paul wrote about his grandfather, I believe. He wrote the lyrics. It's one of a handful of, of songs that Paul wrote with, with Steve Harris and, and the Iron Maiden guys. Uh, you know, he, of course, was a big part of those first two records and, again, wrote maybe three or four co has three or four co writes with them. Uh, so, again, this is Remember Tomorrow, followed by Mitch's interview with Paul Deano, original Iron Maiden singer.
are speaking with uh, Paul Diano. Good day, sir. How are you? I'm very well, Skid. I'm cold, but not too bad. How are you? Good. Good. Now, I know that uh, I spoke to you a couple of days ago, and you were you were in the studio working on some new songs. How is that going? Well, we've got four recorded already. Okay. Um, we just made the EP of the month, because all my band are German, yeah? Right. Uh, we're called the Architects of Chaos. They were my touring band, you know, doing some of the Maiden stuff and all that, but we decided to make it a proper band, which is fantastic, because I haven't done that for years, which is yeah. absolutely awesome. So we've done four tracks, um, gave it to, uh, you know, like, you know, checking out, trying to get a deal, we, we sort of got one. Um, the thing is, uh, we made uh, the EP of the month, Metal Hammer and Rock Hard magazine, which is quite encouraging. Okay. Uh, I've just um, I've been messing around in the studio, because I'd like to see what I've written, if it sounds as good, you know, when you're recording it, as it sounds in your head. Right. And right. Then, I've, I've, then I've got this bloody cold come on, so I'm going to cancel it all. <laughs> but well, when, you, um, when you say you're looking for a deal, is that something that's still important in this day and age? Can you not just sort of throw it up on iTunes or an Amazon and, and just... Yeah, we could, but we're old school. That's not, you know what I mean? Right. You know, I still believe in, in well, CDs and vinyl. I, got, I, haven't, I haven't got any vinyl anymore. about 3,000 punk albums from years ago. <laughs> but, um, no, nah, well, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure about all that stuff. Oh, look, I'm not very computer literate. Okay. <laughs> now, My old lady said, buy an iPhone because they're really improved. And she's right, I can use one. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you, when you uh, get in the studio... What what are you trying to do in terms of musically and sonically? Is it are you are you trying to sort of recapture what you did with Maiden or with Battlezone or trying to Not a chance. Um, no. no, it's sort of it was you know it's it's good good classic heavy metal, but it's a bit more you know a bit more of a modern twist on it. I mean, anyone who's seen me play live and that you know as I said I, I sort of pretty much came from sort of hardcore punk before I got into metal, sort of you know metal and Maiden and all that stuff. So you know. I can do the death growls a lot better than some of the other ones who do it all the time. So, yeah, we, we mix it up a little bit. It's great. You know, it's good fun. Now, now, you mentioned that you had a bit of a cold coming on. Let's talk yeah. about, Let's talk a little bit about your health. Uh, you injured your knee a few years oh. ago. How Bloody is hell. that doing? It's not doing good at all. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the reason why, because I should have had the, a new knee put in about seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And I haven't done anything about it because I'm always too bloody busy. And you need about eight to nine weeks off to get it done. And but funny enough, over the last about I don't know, last year is getting worse and worse. You know, the I think it's uh, beyond repair now. Well, I suppose I've got to have it done eventually. But uh, you know, I keep filling up with fluid every now and again. Um, yeah, but you know, yeah, grin and bear it, mate. That's it. You know, I'm a tough boy. I'll take it. <laughs> right, right. Because I also know that a, a couple of years ago there was a. Um... An announcement said that, well, because of your health, mostly your knee, that you were going to do sort of a farewell tour, but you haven't, you haven't gone away, and, and we don't want you to go away. You keep going. So, oh, thanks for that. Well, no, I sat there and thought about it and thought about it, okay. and um, you know, oh, I just sat there and I thought, what the bloody hell am I going to do myself? You know, there's only so much fishing. I can't get my leg over the army probably without it killing me. <laughs> so, you know, so I'm pretty buckled on that one. So, and I sat there and discussed it with my missus, and my missus is in the States and that, you know, and she's done to me, um, God, blimey, if you get over here, I think I'll murder you after about a month. And I thought, yeah, she's probably right. So, we, you know, we've, we've, we've sort of, uh, I decided to carry on. I want to be around and piss a few more people off. Good. That, that's, what, <laughs> that's, that's what this fan wants to hear. More Deanna was always good. Now, you, you mentioned the States. 
Um, you've had some trouble getting into the States to do some gigs. Yeah. Has that all been cleared up? Are, are you good to go now? Well, I've played, I've played there a few times, haven't I, recently? Uh, okay. I've been back there for three more years again, but, uh, <laughs> excuse me, um, yeah, we've had a lot, you know, it was a bit difficult, you know, you screw up one time, which over like 20 odd years ago, and they don't forget, do they? No, they don't. And, all sudden, and then all of a sudden, they sort of kicked off into Canada, which really peed me off. Yeah. Because I had to do this um, bloody rehabilitation thing, you know, which I've got to fill in and all that now. You know, so, uh, yeah, you know, it can be done since that. The minute we've been concentrating on Europe, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, and elsewhere around the world. I've been to Vietnam this year and Singapore for the first time, which is absolutely awesome. Um, Vietnam is all open, that's for sure. But um, yeah, it's really good. So, you know, we've got, and I've been concentrating a lot on Europe and that, but also trying to get this album done. Right. Uh, we're still waiting for the budget to come through from the record company. But said we've done a four tracks on our own back at our friend's studio in Germany. So, uh, yeah, so um, hopefully with a new management and all that, we get everything sorted out. You know, I can, I can go to play in America on a work visa, but I can't jump on the plane and go and see my wife and kids. Which is a pain in the arse, to be honest with you. A bit, a bit strange. But but hopefully you can play Canada and, and the States. Uh, that, that's certainly important. Yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure we can. So, you know, we've got, as I said now, it's all down to the right management and stuff like that. We've had quite a few great offers from management and that. But, um, you know, I've um, always been a bit reluctant to... Um, Slime with American management, to be quite honest with you. I think it's like, you know, if only something's done like immediately, you know, like it's really difficult to know because of the time differences and stuff like that. So, um, you know, but there's a few offers come up and, um, you know, we've put a few feelers out and people got back to us and it's all very positive at the moment. So, um, got loads more coming in later on, which is, uh, God, I'm never going to over this cock and I'm going to bloody rest. But, um, you yeah. know, it's all looking all right at the moment. But it's just a scary time, you know, because me and my manager, Lee, right. we've been together from, probably, you know, best mates. That's the thing, we've been born in the same bloody hospital, um, you That's know, right. in London. We was born in the same hospital, me and him, in London. You know, but like he's a couple of years older than me, but like, you know, we've sort of grown up around each other all our lives. It's been really, it's really quite a scary time, actually. Yeah, and of course, Lee, the manager you're talking about, was, of course, mm-hmm. in uh, Fastway, the uh, other mm-hmm. band from the UK, another great band. But uh, yeah. but Lee, for some reason, is going to be unable to continue that management role, from what I understand. So. Yeah, right yeah. at the moment, yeah, he's, he's not been very well at the minute, so God bless him, let him work here. Yeah, well, I, you know, he's, I think he's got an upcoming marriage coming on soon and all that stuff as well, you know, so like, uh, and he needs a rest, poor old boy, same as I do. <laughs> same as you do. But l- let's go back historically uh, about management, and, and I'm sure I'll get your blood boiling on this one, but... Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not going to be fun, but one, one of the first managers you had to deal with was, of course, Rod Smallwood. And, blood. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I think you described him one time as being Mussolini's brother or something to that effect. Um, oh, he probably peed me off that day. But nah, <laughs> Rod's, 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 a fant- Rod's a fantastic bloke, mate. I'll tell you, you couldn't really want for a better manager, to be honest with you. Um, but um, I, can imagine. I don't know if that would be a good idea. <laughs> you know, I haven't approached him or anything. We haven't been approached by him. But it would be awesome if he did. But there you go. It, it certainly would. I mean, listen, he did, he did great things with Maiden. But let's go back to that, those those early Maiden days. Um, when you came into the band. Yeah. So, sort of, let's just start there. 
How was it? Because the band had had was already existing. They they had already they had one singer before you. And, had two before. Me. Oh, that's right. They had two, and but, <laughs> but you came in and and your voice seemed to click. Uh, tell me about sort of meeting them the first time and what was sort of the plan. Well, there wasn't a plan. That's the thing because you know I was saying I grew up with punk, but um, a friend of ours, a guy named Trevor Searle. He knew me and he knew Steve, and, and Steve was just leaving high school, and I was just joined in the same high school, you know. And, you know, Trev knew I played in like this really little she punk band sort of thing, yeah. with a great name called Pedophiles. Fantastic, that was. <laughs> and, um, you know, and um, he knew Maiden was looking for a singer, and he sort of, it was, that's when we were sort of trying to put it together. And me and a friend of mine, Loopy, who also went on to work with Maiden, was like, you know, we went down to see Maiden play down the cart and horses with, um, I think it was Denny Wilcox singing, and I thought, oh, blimey, yeah. no, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved in this in any way, shape, or form. But in the end, I went around to Steve's house, and um, he started playing me some of the stuff which you know which became Iron Maiden. Right. And it was absolutely fantastic. I loved it, and uh, I don't know, I just all seemed to click into place then. Yeah, you know that that first Maiden album is really a greatest hit. I mean, Running Free, Remember Tomorrow, <laughs> Phantom of the Opera, uh, Charlotte the Harlow. I mean, those songs are still played today by the band. They're still revered by <laughs> and you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? What was it like recording those songs? And, and I ask this. It's sort of hard, but did you figure, wow, with Remember Tomorrow and stuff, we have something special? Or do you think? Well, I knew I knew when I wrote the lyrics and that with it, that I thought it was you know I thought it was pretty good. That's same we're running free as well. Um, uh, I don't know. You, you just you don't really think about it. Well, you, you're just so happy to be able to get a chance to get music out, uh, and then go to the plane. Oh God, the cops are outside. It's not my job. I didn't do it um, <laughs> anyway. So um, <laughs> not again. Uh, no, it was just really really happy just to be able to so, you know the music was playing live on stage every night and getting great fans and you know loads of people turning up uh, just a great opportunity to actually get the music out and so people go and buy it we're sort of um oh, really 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 happy about it you know what i mean but i didn't think we and then i sat there and i thought wow you know this is going to be the best thing since sliced bread you know but um that was all right you know what i mean because i think it was all a bit too more modest back then back in them days yeah. Now we're coming up to the 35th anniversary. Next year will be the 35th anniversary. Are you planning? Are you planning on doing anything for it? Maybe doing a show where you play all the songs? Or no, this is what got me in trouble in the first place. Now with all this stuff now, because um, on the 30th anniversary, right, Maiden weren't doing anything to celebrate it, and I thought, well, I'll sort it. I'll do it. You know, I went and done quite a few of the songs in there, and it's got. I've been stuck with it ever since. You know, I'm going there, and I'll get a chance to play a few of my songs, a few Battles Home songs, and the old Killers song, and that, but the, most, the majority of it's all been made up with the Maiden stuff. Right. And it's weird because getting my own fans now coming up to me saying, oh, buy me out, do something, you know, do something different. I think I'm getting on their nerves, I'm pissing them off a bit now. <laughs> so I thought, right, well, okay, here we go. And this is why we decided to do the Architects of Chaos and all that and get it all rolling. And so there's new material in there. And once we start with that, then we'll be sort of like lessening the Maiden songs in there, which I think a lot of fans might be pretty happy about. Uh, they still come faithfully, bless them. Yeah. But um, you know, and we've edited it up a lot as well. When we play, it's nothing like Maiden player. This is a lot more sort of up to date, if you like. Yeah, you know what's remarkable is 
it's been 35 years and, and the band has had incredible success with Bruce. And yet there are uh, uh, a legion of fans that say that you're the voice of Maiden. End of story. It's, it's got to oh, feel kind of somewhat rewarding to hear that, right? It is. It's very nice, actually. It's also yeah. nice for your peers. That's the thing. You know, you've got bands like, you know, when Pantera was about Civil Tour and Metallica and all that. You know, I always meet these guys and that. They say it. Yeah, it makes you quite proud, actually. You yeah. know, pretty happy. I can imagine. Now, around that, that same time, Maiden set out on a tour with you uh, to open for Kiss. Yeah. <clears throat> what are, what are your some of some of your memories of that Kiss tour? Oh, well, I was never really into the band a bit quite honest with you. You yeah. know what I mean? You know? um, Especially but, um, at that time where you were doing metal and they were doing sort of pop rock, right? Yeah, the glam stuff. I think we done. Uh, what was it? We done. I think it was uh, the Dynasty album. Dynasty album. We, we was on tour with the uh, I Was Made For Loving You Baby and all that stuff on it. Yeah, I mean, and it was sort of a weird special. mix to hear Running Free, I Was Made For Loving You. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we <laughs> thought we were going to die a death, to be honest <laughs> with you, but we didn't, which is absolutely amazing. And Kiss were fantastic to us. They gave us, you know, like, good share of the lights and a lot of the stage and that. They were absolutely fantastic guys in the end of the day, you know what I mean? Um, I really, really got on very well with, like, um, Eric and stuff like that. And Gene was amazing. Didn't see Paul very much, but, you know, but like, yeah, those two was amazing. They were really great guys. Did, did you get a chance to uh, go out and have a couple of drinks with Ace Fraley or, or, or hang out at yeah, all? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, we did in Sweden. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought we'd keep away from that one, actually, to be honest with you. You, you don't want to tell me the, uh, the Sweden Ace Fraley story? <laughs> well, he picked on somebody, didn't he? Uh, like, uh, got his bodyguards to sort of uh, help him out until, <laughs> until you know, it all started uh, when the guy was going to attack him. So we just laughed it off, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. What, a, what, what must have been a crazy scene. Um, after that success, though, with the first album, because I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that it must have done better than you ever thought it was going to do. You, you mean, you know, you know, here's some blokes from London, you know, you put out an album, you go, oh, and it blew up. Oh, blimey. Oh, um, blimey. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I, I, I can't put it into words even today. It was absolutely, I was absolutely gobsmacked, as we say. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't know what the hell was going on after, after that. You know, I was saying over here, I was, I was in days on, you know, you know, it was a very, 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 ooh. I can't find the words, Mitch. I just can't find the words. Amazing. It was really good. It's gratifying. But going that into sounds the... really inadequate, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, no. Going into the second album, though, um, which has my personal favorite uh, Maiden song of all times, Wrath Child, on it. I mean, that's 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 the song to me that, that says, this is Maiden, everybody else, leave us alone. This. Well, how much pressure did you feel? Did, did management come in and say, okay, we've had a good run, now you have to have a hit single? Or did they just say... Do what you do. How did they? How did you approach that second? Well, we had we had a sort of hit single with Running Free, didn't we? Yeah, you know, that's so it. That, that was cool. But the thing is, there is like with with, with the Killers album, as I said, I only got to write Killers itself. Um, I don't know. It was it seemed to have all changed a little bit. I mean, the, um, the the first album was not the best produced album in the world, to be honest with you. No, well, somebody should actually, somebody should actually definitely do that again. You know, sort of uh, remix it. Or re record it or something, I don't know. Um, but the second album, I, I wasn't really totally into it, to be quite honest with you. 
it seems to have sort of like got a little bit slower, a little bit more refined. It seems we seem to lose that sort of um, that weird edge whenever anything could happen. If you know what I mean. Yeah. It sort of uh, it wasn't doing it for me, and then we had Martin Burgeon as producer as well. You know, it was all great with Deep Purple and playing, you know people like that. But I'm like, oh, yeah, bloody Hills Eve. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really a a, a a maiden kind of producer. Now, mm-hmm. you know, but but after that second album and and the touring and all that, um, at some point, the band and you decide to not work together anymore, and mm-hmm. you actually sold your uh, what, what do you want to call it? Publishing or, or your rights to anything made? In- <laughs> no, only, only some of it. Only some of it because I wanted to get this bar together. Okay. Uh, that was the reason why. Only some of it, not all of it. That is what people keep saying. Okay, no, well, no, that's no, what no, I no. want to clear up. You didn't sell yeah. everything. Cause, okay, because my question was... Still, be- well, let's put it this way. I still get royalties four times a year. <laughs> oh, okay. See, I, I had understood that you don't, and I was wondering if maybe... My question would have been to you, uh, did you not think Maiden was going to continue and succeed? Sort of, you thought, well, they're done oh, with that. No. no, okay. Oh, no, I thought they'd always carry on. No, no. Um, one member doesn't make the band. The, whole, the band as a whole is it, you know what I mean? No, um, no, no, I never thought that in the, in the million years. No, I just want to get out of there, you know what I mean? It wasn't right for me at that time. And, um, you know, some people sort of say, oh, well, you should have got your act together and sort of, you know, carried on. But, um, to me, I don't know, sort of, uh, oh, the reason I sort of uh, had a bit of a weird turn is because like, I wasn't really getting into the music anymore. Right. W- why not, though? Was it, was it just, uh, was it The songs too... are different from the first. Yeah, the, the songs are too different from the first for me and a little bit too more polished, you know what I mean? I didn't want them to sound as bad as the first album, but, you know, great songs, terrible like, production, but... Uh, could have been a little bit more in between as far as I'm concerned. But no, regardless, you know, I am made or I am made and they do what they do. You know? That's interesting. The that you say, keep coming. That that's interesting that you say that they were too polished though. Is metal supposed to be, for the lack of a better word, a little more dirty, not so glossy? I think so. I okay. I, I, I do think so in some ways. Um but then again, I, I wouldn't have spent all that bloody money on the Killers Murder One album, you know what I mean? It was a hell of a lot of money, according to the power station and everywhere else. Right. And, um, you know, and that's quite a polished album, but there's still a little bit of menace in there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what it's all about for me. Rock and roll's not supposed to be safe, it's supposed to be dangerous. It's not. And if, and God forbid, if my mum ever turned around and me and said, God, we like your album, I'm like, no. Back there, sorry, I wouldn't lung myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, did, did did your parents ever say to you, "Hey, I, I love what you do in Maiden," or were they always sort of like, oh, my "Poor boy"? <laughs> nah, not 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 a child. No, my, my dad's not here anyway. But um, no, my mum uh, came down to see us play down at Amphitheatre, and and, uh, and uh, I think she's a bit. Shell shocked a bit, quite honest with you. Yeah. And um, she's not one of them sort of people, so they sort of come in all this sort of thing. I think she thought it was a great hobby, but you know, maybe one day she's going to get a proper job. But, <laughs> was she, was she, for the lack of a better word, embarrassed by you? Like when she would introduce no, you, no, say, no, "Oh, no. he's this guy." No, 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 okay. no, no. I think, now I think secretly she's quite proud. Okay. <laughs> I think she's still surprised. I think I'm surprised the hell out of her that we're still doing it. <laughs> But I think at one stage, I thought she thought I might go back to being a butcher again or something like that. <laughs> well, well, that is the interesting question. What was plan B? Let's say you make that first Maiden album and Running Free is a complete disaster. Nobody cares for it. The Kiss tour, they throw you off. Everything's bad. 
What was plan B? Carry on, mate. Carry on regardless. That's the British way, isn't it? Yeah. So there was <laughs> Keep no... calm and carry on. So so you weren't going to be a postman or, or a butcher, like you said, or a bus driver. You were going to be a no. singer regardless. Yeah, bugger that, mate. No. <laughs> once, I, once I got in there, that's all I ever wanted to do. And, and it still is now, you know. Yeah. And back to that thing about retiring. I just thought, what the hell can I do? You know, I'll, I'll take my tattoo license and stuff like that. And I'm not bad at knocking up some sort of like customized arlies and that, but you know, it's a hobby. It's not really what I want to do for a living. You know, even though we sort of got interest in all that sort of stuff and make a bit of money out of it, but uh, my primary thing is um, singing. Yeah. Well, loosely put, loosely put. Loosely, loosely put. But, <laughs> but it's also got to be getting harder and harder as you get older. I mean, with the knee and the well, this and the. I've got to tell you one thing, Mitch. With my voice, it's not. It's actually getting better. Really? I'm yeah. in notes. I'm in notes. I've never written for like a long time. As you know why? Because I don't faff about over it. You know, some people, oh, they're like, oh, I've got a slight cough. Unless it cancel the whole show, the whole tour is going to be off. And all that stuff from before is like, oh, I didn't want to tour and stuff like that. Oh, bollocks, to be honest with you. Because if you look at my touring schedule, it's, it's brutal normally. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But, you know, I do this five, six, seven days a week, something like that. And um, I'm still hitting them notes. And I'm really happy with what we're doing in the studio. I mean, I'm, I'm hitting notes. Robert Alpha can't hit that anymore. You know, so I'm doing, I'm doing quite well. I'm, I'm really happy. And the reason why is because I don't faff about over it. A slight little cough. Oh, no, that's it. Everything's off. You know, me, I don't take care of me, boys. I still smoke, still drink. You know, <laughs> still, still have it, mate. That's <laughs> it. I'm not on it. That's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Now, um, you know, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and I watched much music and MTV and all those wonderful things. After you left Maiden, you formed a band called Battle Zone, and there were a couple of videos that showed up on those channels that were bloody brilliant. <laughs> and then the band just disappeared and, and going back we know that the band itself was sort of a battle zone with a lot of infighting um what 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 went right and what went wrong and and why not since it well, was your band no what it was, it was we weren't infighting in the band we was having an aggravation with our management at the time an aggravation with the record company at the time mm -hmm. <laughs> excuse me and then we found out we were getting ripped off left right and center over in america okay and um, anyway regardless of that uh, so we changed the name and uh you know we we changed drummers out on the first album and bass player and all that and uh, you know and the other two guys from Battlezone at the time we you know we we went on to become killers with Cliff and everybody and you know and that was it so we, you know we stuck it out from that we, we changed the name for contractual reasons as well. Okay, and that's and that's when you met um, uh, who was it uh, Arnie Goodman, the manager of Fastway, and is that how is that how you got to meet Lee? Oh, no, uh, no, I've, no I've known Lee for years, years and years and years. I, I first went to see Lee playing about when I was about 14, you know. But no, 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 I, I, but we knew Arnie. Arnie knew Cliff, and Cliff was from Tank and stuff like that from before and all that stuff. So, you know, it, it just made sense that we all got, you know, got to meet each other. And uh, me and Steve and Cliff um, suddenly got killers together. Yeah, and so, so tell me a little bit about Killers then. So you changed the name for contractual <laughs> reasons, but yep. how did that work out? I mean, did, did the did the record company try to, to sue you and shut you down? And, and why did you stop? Uh, we, just, uh, we was fed up with him. We wanted to get out of it all. So we just said we're breaking up and uh, changed the name. <laughs> that was it. That's, that's no, big, no big mystery. It's, that's, a, you know, that's the way to do it, isn't it? You, 
if like if they're pissing you off and you're not getting on with them, just say, right, that's it, we've had enough, we're over, band's broken up. And that's exactly what we did, and we changed, you know, changed it all over. Changed it all over. Uh, Maiden was part of the new wave of British heavy metal. <laughs> you know, I've I've had a chance to read up on that and study it, and, and of course, you know, I was a Def Leppard fan and a Maiden fan back in the day. But but looking back thirty five years later. What what is what is that? What did, what did it mean to be the new wave of British heavy metal? Oh God! Oh, this is going to get some people's backs up now. I'm sorry, but I do not agree that Def Leppard, Motorhead, Judas Priest were new wave of British heavy metal because they've all had an albums out way before Maiden. They'd already been touring. What it was, they didn't know how to pigeonhole Iron Maiden. We were, was we an heavy metal band? Was we a punk band? That's where we got the title of new wave of British heavy metal, and everyone jumped on the bloody bandwagon. Right. But but 35 years later, though, it was an important movement, even though most of the bands that were part of that wave made one album or an EP and all sort of just vanished, right? Yeah. How, mm-hmm. did, how did Maiden pierce through? Was it just great songs or was it great performance? I think it's a bit of both, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, the band was great live, fantastic, like, you know, and they were great songs, yeah, that's the way about it. So yeah, let's move back. Let, let's get back to 2014. So you've done these four new songs. Are you releasing yep. just an EP for the wider market, or are these four songs going to be part of a 10, 12 song? Full yeah, album? it's going to be part of the album. Yeah, it's okay. definitely going to be part of the album. As I said, I just spoke to my drummer Dominic today over in Germany. Okay, we're waiting for the record companies to give us the rest of the budget because, as I said, we record these four tracks on our own back, okay. and you know they're not fully fully mixed, but they're, they're sounding pretty all right. And uh, we went and done them in about four hours. All well, the boys have done it a little bit longer than that. And she, I flew over to Germany and done one in about four hours. So I've done pretty well right with that. That's all right. I was quite happy. And um, as I said, I'm I'm just writing the lyrics. I've got another six finished, and so that's ten already. But and I went into the studio the other day, as I said, to try to how I've wrote them in my head. I want to see if they sound the same when I'm actually recording them. You know, with the melody line and everything. And then I've just got bollocks off with this cold now. So uh, we start again when I come back in September. Oh, good. So I'll have another go. When do you think it'll be ready and, and out for people to well, buy? Well, out by the end of the year. Oh, good, good. And so here's the the, the, the million-dollar question. You know, we talked about Wrathchild. We talked about Running Free. You go on yeah. tour. You still play those songs. Uh, yeah. Fans show up to hear those songs, so why bother making new music? I mean, you you don't really need to. Oh, I don't want to, oh yeah, well then you might as well say, well, this is my Las Vegas set, isn't it? You know, oh fuck all that. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, oh, we call it over in the Chicken in the Basket tour. You know, when you turn up that cabaret show and like you get your chicken in the basket and a bottle of wine to come and see like some some old bastard playing like his greatest hits. No, I'm still worth a lot more than that, and okay. I'm still writing music, and I'm still singing fucking great. Yes, so right. yeah, and I don't want to change that in any way, shape, or form. So I'm like, so that way, so we're sort of reducing the Maiden songs in the set. There'll be more of the architect stuff. I don't think I'm going to do anything in the September festival in Belgium. Uh, I hope we do. We, we played one live anyway. Um, it's by the Wings of the Angel of Death we do. Uh, we've been doing it for a while. Uh, but we might have another one or two in the set at the minute. Um, it's getting time to rehearse as well. The boys are well rehearsed. I'll just have to fly over and make sure I can remember the words. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no auto-cue yet, mate. I'm not, I'm not up for that one yet. <laughs> 
and I'll, uh, I'll, I know that you do have to go rehearse and get stuff done, so I'll let you go in a minute. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting to, to hear that you that you want to make new music because uh, so many bands that I talk to these days just say, "Meh, I'll just go play the ten songs the fans want to hear anyway." And uh, oh, that would be death for me. As I said, I'm dying slowly. Keep doing all the maiden stuff over and over and over. <laughs> we had to literally push to get a couple of battle zone songs in, a couple of made, a couple of um, like killer songs in there. But now, as I said, I've been doing it for so long, over and over and over and over, that the fans are actually coming up to me and asking me to hurry up and get on with some new music, which is going to be awesome. Plus, I've got a new DVD coming out as well, and I think October, right? Uh, which oh, yes. we called with, with another band in Poland. We did it. Um, it, it came out pretty. Oh, well, I think it's come out pretty well. I haven't actually seen it yet. But we're getting some good reviews on that as well. But as with, uh, you know, as I said, I use different bands in different countries to keep ticket prices down. And I've done it for so long that I'm running out of money myself now. So I thought, no, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so I've got to uh, get on with this. And apparently, yeah, it's getting some good reviews and that. And uh, we'll see what happens with that one as well. And I know I was singing fantastic on some of them nights. I know that for a fact. Yeah, you know, it's, it's amazing. It, it was so weird that, um, oh, God, I can't remember the... Um, Oh, that's right. Yeah, there's a load of Polish fans at the front of the stage. And I was hitting some great notes, and they wouldn't let me get off stage until I'd done uh, the first verse of All Guns Blazing by Judas Priest. <laughs> All Guns. Yeah, I, I was actually going to ask you about that. You do use different bands in different countries, but now you were talking about having a band. Are you going yeah, to go back to having just a band and not use all the different guys from around? Oh the no, world? no, 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 no! I'll still come out and play you know some of this maiden stuff here every now and again. But I've got the best of both worlds there, don't I? You know, okay. I mean, even the architects we still play some of the maiden stuff in there as well. But out of the way we play, it's bloody heavy as hell. You know what I mean? It's probably like sort of more like Sepultura playing it, if you know what I mean. Right, right. Um, well, yeah, we put a better edge on it. You know, we, we brought it up into like this century. And, you know, and I'll tell you, I've got two amazing guitar players with me, you know. Oh, Smoking Joe, he had a guitarist in Germany, he's amazing. I've never seen him eat anything, he's going to smoke cigarettes and drink coffee. But um, <laughs> he's chucking that guitar around like there's no, there's no tomorrow on stage, and oh, he's got the fastest things I've ever seen. You know, he's, he's amazing. So, we, yeah, we've got all the, all, the, all the right stuff here, you know, the guitar players are like, are like really shredding on the guitar as well, but like the sound's a lot heavier as well, which is you know, it suits me a lot better as well. So, and that means I can experiment then as well, hitting highs and real lows and then the mid as well. So it's, it's going good. And uh, I'll ask, I'll, I'll finish with this. Uh, one of the last things you put out was uh, a song that you did with Jakey e. Lee with his Red Dragon Cartel uh, project yeah. album. Uh, how was it working with Jake? Did, was it actually done through the internet where you sent each other tracks or did you get in a studio together? No, we didn't. No, 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 no. What it was, his management sent the uh, song over to me and we did it in my studio here in England and had a little go at it and uh, sent it back to him about three bloody times. Picky mm -hmm. sods. And uh, <laughs> we sent one version over. I was sending two versions over. And uh, I was oh, not really sure. And then it went back to the original. I'm like, oh, fucking hell. You know, what's the matter with you? Sort it out. <laughs> so we got it sorted in the end. And uh, yeah, I haven't actually heard the finished track myself. I think it sounded great. I think the album sounded oh. great, and it was a nice return to form for Jake. I mean, he's he's one of these guitarists that should not have disappeared from the scene for so long. But so mm -hmm. it, it was nice to see the classic guitarist and the classic voice together on a track. I have to I have to admit, 
It was it was quite. Well, I, I only know I only know I don't know Jakey really really well, but we met up when I was living in LA quite a few times here, and you know up the Rainbow and whatever. And uh, he's a nice guy, and I got a lot of respect for him, and he's a fantastic guitar player. So you know, there you go. It was an honor. It was an honor. Absolutely. Um, well, of course, remind folks that there's a pauldiano.com to go check out. There's new music coming soon, and there's hopefully some. Uh, there are dates in Europe and other countries, but hopefully North America, yeah. Canada, you know, US oh, will get oh, stuff. Oh, for sure. I've got to do this. I want to get home and see my son as well, actually. But listen, if you want to do this one, it's www.facebook forward slash architects of chaos with a Z. Yes. And there's a, little, there's a little teaser on there, so you can see a song called Rejected. Oh, great. That sounds and, great. And then, you get, and then you get back and tell me if I'm not hitting the right high notes. <laughs> okay. I'll go check it right now, and I'll call you. I'll call you uh, later on, or I'll send you another uh, email. But I'll send you an email, mate. Right, yeah, absolutely. Right. When you see Dave, tell him I said hello and good luck. Absolutely, I will, of course, do that. But it's been a pleasure. It's uh, it's it's fantastic, and I'm very much looking forward to hearing those four songs. Of course, feel free to send them to me anytime you want. Uh, <laughs> I might send you a couple over tomorrow if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep my fingers crossed. Uh, much cool. uh, been a pleasure. When the album comes out and so on and so forth, let's let's do it again. Absolutely, mate. No problem. Anytime, mate. You know it. It's great. always there. Thank you. All right. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Have a great day. See you, you later, too, mate. Now. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. And there you have it, Mitch's interview with Paul Diano. Good stuff, Mitch. You recorded that probably what two months ago at this point, two and a half months ago. Yeah, yeah, in August. And, uh, you know, it's always a pleasure to speak to Paul. Uh, we uh, communicate by email almost on a daily basis. Really? And, wow. Yeah. Uh, Paul, Paul, I've known Paul for easily 15 years or more. And, uh, always it's been a pleasure. Uh, everybody has these horror stories that he's this and that. It's just absolutely charming with me. And, of course, he's working on new material for a new album coming out, uh, in 2015. And uh, he's got a band now, Architects of Chaos. Uh, it's not just Paul Diano. You know, hey, he's another guy I'd like to see at Heavy Montreal. I'd like to see Maiden and Blaze and all three of them there and, and have this sort of Maiden day. Yeah, yeah, that would be and, great. I mean, and it's really a shame that he's never, ever really had the opportunity to reunite with, with Maiden. I guess there was some thing some where... Some hate. Well, <laughs> some there's hate. some hate. I know there was some... some uh, some Clive Burr benefit concert that certain members of Maiden, I think, performed on the same stage as him. I'm not sure, you know, if they were playing at the same time or what. But uh, Bruce Dickinson being one of them, I think. But um, in general, there's really been no reunion with him and the actual band Iron Maiden, which, which I I think is a is a shame because those first two Iron Maiden records. For me personally, they are of you know the twenty so studio albums that that Maiden mm-hmm. has at this point. Maybe not quite twenty, um, but you know the fifteen studio albums that Maiden has at this point. They are two of the better ones, in my, in my opinion. Oh, they absolutely hold up. I mean, you know that song that you played, "Remember Tomorrow," is instant classic. And uh, you know, if you haven't had a chance to hear the Metallica version of it or the Anthrax version of that song, I, I encourage you to check wow. that I out too. I have not heard the Anthrax. I've heard the Metallica one, which is great, but I did not know Anthrax does it. Yeah, they do. Uh, it was on that album that had the song "Fueled." Um, uh, what was it called? Uh, oh, it had the, the the massive ball of 
metal on it. Um, mm. I'll, I'll look that up and tell you in a second. But okay. uh, yeah, great album. And it had uh, John Bush singing it. Wow. Wow. And, okay. and, and, and it was brilliant. Uh, so brilliant, that was brilliant. before Metallica covered it. Oh, yeah. Oh, Long yeah. Before, Many probably. years before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. But, uh, you know, uh, you got those two bands, which people call the big four, part of the big four, and they pick that Maiden song to cover. So it tells you uh, how much, you know, the quality of that song. Um, and yeah, by the way, just checking this on Wikipedia, 15, yes, 15 Iron Maiden studio albums at this point. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, and you know, they, they, they just keep going. And, uh, you know, I always refer to, to the Heavy Montreal Festival. Uh, last year, of course, there was Metallica there. I think Iron Maiden is the band that can come in and bring in the fans to that same level. I I would I would agree definitely and and Maiden even more so than than Priest or oh boy even you know you could even maybe Aerosmith I feel like do do well with with pulling in people to to shows. However, I don't feel like they have that devoted hardcore fan base that a band like Maiden has, you know, and I think Kiss has that too, to a certain extent, but it, it's, uh, it's interesting how, how strong it is with Maiden and Rush, you know, the, the mm-hmm. bands that, that were never really embraced by the, the mainstream, their, their, their fans are just so devoted and Maiden is one of those bands. Like I saw them in Newark, New Jersey on one, ah, probably like three years ago, two, three years ago. And the place was just packed. You know, there was no new album at that point. They were just doing a tour and, and, uh, it just blows my mind that, that they are consistently filling arenas. What? Like 35 years after the first record. Yeah. And, and through three vocalist changes and, and everything. And uh, by the way, the uh, Anthrax album is stomp, Four four two. It was a, a bonus track on that, and uh, okay. it was also on a album called "A Tribute to the Beast, Volume 2. And right. uh, you can go check that out on YouTube as well. But uh, yeah, John Bush nailed the song. Um, yeah. yeah, well, fifteen Iron Maiden records. The first two had Deano, and I guess you could say not not really the middle two, but let's see. This is probably like probably like uh, oh the tenth and the eleventh record because. You know, the X factor, I believe that X standed for 10. And then there was Virtual 11, which was their 11th record, included another singer, Blaze Bailey, who we're going to hear Mitch interview in yeah. just a few minutes. And it's a, it's another great interview that I really enjoyed listening to on the one-on-one with Mitch LaFon podcast, which is part of Doc- Talking Metal Digital. Again, do yourself a favor and subscribe to that. But before we get into the interview, I just wanted to mention a great way to support Talking Metal is to support our sponsor, who is Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. I, I think it's just awesome that they automatically have this ability to set up an online store for you. You don't have to deal with setting up a, a credit card account. I mean, it, it's just major. It's just major. You can sell your stuff immediately using Squarespace as your as your website provider and the builder of your website. It, it's great stuff. I wish we would have had this when we set up TalkingMetal.com so many years ago. 
uh, for a free trial of Squarespace and 10, 10% off, you can visit squarespace.com and enter offer code METAL, M-E-T-A-L. You just do that when you're checking out, and again, you get 10% off. A better web starts with your website. Again, Squarespace, so simple and easy, beautiful designs, and 24-7 support through live chat and email. And that's in Europe and New York City uh, are the two locations that uh, you will be getting your 24-7 support from. Again, plans start at $8 a month and include a free domain name if you sign up for a year. And on that note, Mitch, we need to get into this interview with Blaze Bailey. But before yes, we do that, I want to hear this this song that I, I feel like a lot of people don't know. It's off the Virtual 11 album, which came out in 1998, uh, the year I actually saw Iron Maiden on this tour with with Blaze, and it was kind of sad because you know they had been playing arenas, and here they were playing Roseland, you know, in the biggest city in the country, New York City, with with I, I believe it was Dio, and I I feel like maybe Motorhead. I'm not I'm not sure. Definitely it was Dio and Maiden. Like the, these two massive bands were downgraded to like a you know three thousand. Right, but everybody yeah. was. Yeah, 90s. everyone was at that time. It's true. But um, I, I enjoyed the show. At the time, I, I, I may have struggled a little bit with Blaze because I wanted to hear Bruce, Bruce I guess. But it's funny because after he left the band, I really came to appreciate the two albums that he did do with, with Maiden. And especially the Virtual 11 record, I feel like has so many just hidden gems on it. And this is a song that you'll hear... Blaze singing on, and Steve Harris wrote the song, and this is just classic Maiden, if you listen to the way it's written. It's called The Educated Fool, and we'll follow that with an interview that Mitch conducted with Blaze Bailey. I'm an educated fool So I don't know what it is I'm supposed to do about this awkward situation Has been fostered out upon me as I'm walking down into On my own into the valley of life Got a lifetime of experience Yeah, I've got so much to give Open the page of chapter one Could this just be that life's just begun Forever within your darker thoughts Reflecting on everything you've been taught Never felt this way before Somebody's just opened the door to the book of life Or is it death? Is there ever any way out? Someone's looking down on me To the very inner core of my soul They won't tell me what they see But I really want to know I want to live my life on my own I want to live the unturned stone I want to walk right into the fire One stop tasting the feel that you really should aspire That you really do deserve more Do you ever really feel That you have so much potential inside What you really have to give Could be realized much more I want to live my life on my own I want to live the untold 
Solo band and all kinds of. How you doing there? Good, very, very good. 
Um, I'm actually naked right now. Uh, so <laughs> That's I'm, why I like to do all my interviews. I mean, yeah, I'm enjoying this interview, and I'm fresh out of the shower. I wanted to smell good for my fans out there. Yeah. You know, yeah. They like these Skype interviews. Yeah, they like My fans like to imagine me, you know, so, well, some of them anyway. Well, one of them likes to imagine me uh, unclothed. So, uh, so that's it. That's, that's how that's how all my listeners like to imagine me too. Quite frankly, so yeah, I, I understand now. It is a horror show, then. <laughs> it is a horror show. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of like the uh, uh, Jason or Friday the Thirteenth. Um, you know, Freddy Krueger to mm-hmm. brought to podcast. Now, in the background there, I hear the sounds of your daughter. How, how's that going? How has fatherhood changed? Um. Well, it's it's. It's an unusual thing because I spent most of my life uh, putting my music first and going right. I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna be in a place where I'm even gonna have pets, let alone children. Right. And uh, and you know things changed in my life. Um, and uh, I met the right. I was with the right person, and we had the same kind of values about bringing up uh, kids, and we were very lucky. Uh, that we were blessed with the daughter, so uh, so that's weird. the The hardest part of it is being away because you, it's like, well, you actually have a home and you actually have something that you want to go back to. Yeah, um, a lot more. You know, before if it's just you and your partner, it's like you can phone. Oh, well, come and visit me while I'm on tour, or spend a couple of days with me. But now you always want to go home. And well, I do. I always want to go home and be with my family. So, it's um, it's a bittersweet thing in many ways. You have this wonderful uh, experience, uh, which is so rich and varied at home, which yeah. you can't even dream what that's going to be like um, before you you have kids, and then you're away from home and. Uh, the weird thing is, is uh, as I've as I've gone on and I've got older, and the further away I seem to get from Iron Maiden in time, then the more people are interested in Blaze Bailey and, and what I'm doing, and um, I'm doing more shows now, and I'm busier than at any time since I left Iron Maiden, yeah. and uh, and that's. That is a, a quite a spooky thing. I, I, at a time when I thought, well, I'll be settling down, um, you know, people are really interested in me. So that's a, a really nice a nice thing for me. It's, it's more difficult to go away from home, but now, you know, I can spend more time away because I'm on tour and, and doing different things. Yeah, so let, let's talk about that. You know, we're, we're – oh, we got an echo. But you're you're coming out to Montreal soon. Yeah, I'm very excited about coming out to Canada, and uh, I'm going to be doing Montreal, Quebec, Ottawa, Kingston, London, and Toronto. And it's my first time in Canada since I made it. And I'm wow. so excited about it. And uh, I've been in touch with a band there called um maiden quebec yes and they've been rehearsing really really hard and the set list is going to be a combination of some of the songs from my era of maiden and some of my own songs that perhaps 
people aren't familiar with because I've never had the chance to tour Canada. I was invited there by some of the few um, last year for their album release, and I absolutely loved it. So i got to thank those guys from some of the few. They just treated me like a king, and I sang a couple of songs with them. And, and now I'm doing a full tour of Canada. So uh, I'm hoping it's not the... I'm hoping it's not the last time. I'm hoping it's the first of many trips where I can come and play my music. And I hope that Canadian fans are interested in what I do and like what I do. Yeah, I think they will. And, and it, it, it speaks... Oh, I've got an echo going on today. It, it speaks to the power of Maiden, though, the fact that, you know, it's got a sort of a Star Trek, a Star Trek effect that anybody who's associated or touches that band the fans just stay with you, right? Um, I think, really, I'm a slightly different case to the norm right. because um, when I joined, there were a lot of people who just resented me and actually hated me for being in Maiden because uh, they blamed me for Bruce leaving, which is, you know, a, a classic girlfriend problem where you you blame your best you blame your friend for your girlfriend leaving you I don't know whatever but a lot of people didn't want to listen to me and um it, it was a it was a very different time for Maiden the music business was changing uh, mp3s uh, were coming and hardware was starting to disappear cds were cd sales were sat down for everybody worldwide because you know, bits of plastic weren't selling anymore. And it was a time when um, people didn't want, a lot of old school Maiden fans did not want Blaze Bailey to be the lead singer. And now 20 years on, there are a few people that saw Iron Maiden with me the first time. And then there are some other people who never saw Iron Maiden with me, but are interested to see what it was about. And, um, and now... People are much more open to listening to Blaze Bailey and the songs that I've done. And, and now my Silicon Messiah album, which is the first album that I did after Maiden, mm -hmm. um, it is, it's doing really well, you know, for me. I'm completely independent and uh, I'm not in many shops. I have some distribution, but I do everything myself with my wife my wife is my manager. She does all my bookings. I have a couple of agents that I work with, but I don't have a big record deal. I'm not signed up to a record label, and I won't be signing up to a record label. Every album that I've made since I made it, uh, I licensed, and now I own them again. Um, it's that long. So when somebody buys my CD, the money doesn't go to uh, a, a record company or you know, some anonymous corporation. It goes directly to me. And I use that money to pay my rent, feed myself and my family, and put money away for the next CD or DVD, whatever I'm doing. So people who get on board with me, people who support me, directly support me. And uh, it's not that many people, but they are so loyal and uh, I'm really excited about coming to Canada and playing there, just like 
I played in Australia for the first time. There were fans I didn't know I had. So I'm very excited about coming to Canada and uh, doing my absolute best for the fans there. It's been a long, long time that I've been waiting to come back, and I'm very excited about it. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Now, the, the last album you did was a five-song, and I'll call it an EP, called Russian Holiday in 2013. Uh, what's next in terms of new material from you? Um, I've done a best-of album, which is called The Soundtracks of My Life. That's got two new songs on it, and it's 30 songs overall. Some of them are rare ones that you couldn't always get, and the, the rest of them kind of sum up my favourite songs to play live in, my, uh, in the last 30 years. And, um, and now I'm working on a DVD to go with that. So it's Soundtracks of My Life CD, and there's a DVD, Soundtracks of My Life DVD, to go with that. That should be out in November. And now, while those things are coming out, I'm able to start thinking of new material. I'm talking to a couple of different people. I have a couple of different people that I write with. And I'm planning a, a full studio album, hopefully for the end of 2015. And uh, I'm very excited about that. I just have a load of notes and bits and pieces and odd melodies and scraps of music and a, a riff here and a riff there and a couple of ideas what it will be about. And um, it's I've got enough time and enough very long, boring journeys to uh, to try and get something together. So I'm very excited about it. So um, so that's what I'm looking forward to. So. Soundtracks of my life really brings me up to date and says, right, this is what I've done. And a lot of times people will come to my show and they'll see my CDs and say, well, which one should I get? And it's always very difficult because I love them all. My heart and my soul is in every CD that I did. So now I can say, get this one. It's got 30 songs and it's a bit of everything. Start there. So uh, so that's that's what I'm doing. It's a good starting point. So let's talk a little bit about Iron Maiden. Uh, you know, before the X Factor was a TV show on on, on the on you know on television and stuff, it was an Iron Maiden album. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how the band approached you in terms of the process. Did they say, "Blaze, we want you to write with us. We want you to be um, involved," or did they say, "Listen"? Well, what yeah. happened was. Uh, uh, they held auditions and I auditioned alongside everybody else, you know, uh, and I learned the same songs everybody else learned. And, um, and I was very, very lucky that, uh, that, I, that they chose me. Right. I don't know why, you know, my voice is so different to Bruce, but I think maybe that's why I think I was, I was somebody that was different, but might perhaps could bring something to the, uh, to the old songs. And, when we started, Steve Harris said to me, nothing is written for the album. We all write together. Uh, the most important thing is that it's good. Uh, Steve Harris said, I don't care who writes the songs, who writes the music, but it has to be great. And that's how we started. So I was free to put forward as many ideas as I wanted and, um, and everybody did. And 
you know, six, I think, six of my ideas actually made it to the album and another couple of ideas were B-sides. So it went really, really well and I'm so proud of the music that we did together. And uh, it's a real different part of Iron Maiden's career because it's a, it's a time when things are going more progressive and the kind of darkness uh, in my voice was something very different. And some of the songs like Lord of the Flies and Judgment of Heaven and Sign of the Cross um, and Look for the Truth, those songs really are me in a way you know i really feel them and my voice is uh, is just a part it's a part of it you know and i still enjoy doing those songs now what what kind of pressure was iron maiden under at that time you know bruce was loved by many fans did they say listen we're just going to make an iron maiden album and it'll be what it'll be did the record company say, wow? Yeah, that was it, because um, in the very early years, then they battled with the record company. When uh, Nico McBrain joined Iron Maiden, yeah. then the record company said, we can't have an album like this that starts with drums. We can't have these drums. They sound really weird. We're worried about the fans not accepting it. And that was the time when Steve Harris uh, and the rest of the guys said, right, the record company are now banned from the studio and uh, they were never allowed to hear anything that Iron Maiden had recorded before and ready to press and they didn't have any input on it. And Maiden really fought hard for that because, you know, when uh, the record company is normally the one with all the money uh, and all the power and they fought and fought, and that's and they got that. So when we were working on the X Factor, it was well, we don't know how it's going to turn out. We just want it to be good, and uh, a lot of it is absolutely great. You know, there are some songs that really last on there. Sign of the Cross is a huge, huge song. Every time I go to Brazil, there's no way I can get away without playing Sign of the Cross and uh, Man on the Edge, people still like as well. So, yeah, yeah there, was no, there was no kind of pressure from the record company. I think all of the pressure came from just within the band to make something really, really good. And everybody was nervous, you know, except me. Everybody was nervous to, to see, oh, are the fans going to like it? For me, I wasn't nervous. I was just like, well, I mean, I'm Maiden and it's great for me. Uh, you know, that's... When, when the album oh, no. came out... Long tour, so that's it. Yeah, it became a long tour. When the album came out and the first reviews started coming in, and to be perfectly honest, right, they were, they were somewhat lukewarm. They weren't... You weren't getting all kinds of accolades. Was there a sense of panic in the band? Did, did Steve come to you? No, no, there's no panic at all. It's just, well, we just do what we do. That's it. That's the attitude of Maiden, and that's why uh, they've been, uh, uh, at some point in their career, been unpopular with their own fans, but their mm. own fans have stuck by them because that's exactly why you do stick with Iron Maiden, because they do exactly what they want to do, because they follow their instinct. It may not be what you would have chosen, but it's what they choose to do, and it makes sense for them at the time. So there was no panic like that. It just kept going. And to be honest, uh, 
the the worst reviews were in English. So if uh, in the UK and USA, that's where the reviews were the worst, and that's where the attendances were the worst. But um, everywhere else, things went great. Okay. You know, in uh, in Scandinavia, we played with me and the band, and with the X Factor as the album, we played. Iron Maiden played bigger shows than they ever did with Bruce. Um, so that was a real turnaround. They were slagging us off in the UK. The UK press was saying, oh, it's all over for Iron Maiden. And we were on our second tour of Spain in six months playing all the, the not they call it the, you know, the, there's the big cities, then they call it the B cities, playing to 10,000 people every night. And people are saying it's over. Well, we just just ignored it, really. Okay. France, we had incredible reactions, the support of the French fans. Oh, it was just great. So it was our the, the reviews weren't great. I think it was it, it was so different. But in in some places, the reviews were absolutely fantastic. And in some places, it's people's favourite album is the X Factor, which you would think of the Beast or some. Somewhere in time or Seventh Son, but no, in some places X Factor is people's favourite album. So, um, so we we followed what we wanted to do. We kept going, and we we didn't bow to any pressure. Did the record company panic? Um, I think they might have done a bit, but I think they did more on the second one, maybe, because that's you know it was after the second one. That's when Bruce came back, and I think they really needed. I think the record company really put pressure on the management to say we've got to have something here to uh, you know to talk about. We can't just have a third album with you, uh, you know, from Iron Maiden with a new singer. We, we've got to have something. And Judas Priest had a re- had uh, a reunion. Deep Purple had a reunion. Black Sabbath had a reunion. All of these people, these big bands, you know, from uh, from the mid and uh, late seventies, so having reunions, and that, Kiss was one of them. Yeah, Kiss. It was working, and and that's what happened. So after Virtual Eleven, that was it. Bruce was back. I was out, and you know, in a slightly different configuration to what other bands had done. Maiden had their reunion, and uh, and they managed to build on that success. When uh, Virtual uh, Eleven. <laughs> I have a tendency to say X1, but when Virtual Eleven came out, and again, there were some of these unfavorable reviews, um, did the band just say, listen, let's just get back into the studio and make a third one, or is that really what Uh, they said? we were still on tour. Okay. We were on tour, you know, this is a, it's a massive thing, so it's nine months when that tour starts, man, it's a, I don't know, it's an intergalactic freight train that you can't get off. It starts, it starts moving, and that's it. It's going, and it doesn't stop until the journey's over. So, um, yeah, it was – I had ideas for a third album, and uh, I, I had some melody ideas and lyrics and, and things like this, and I thought, oh, this is something I'd like to work with Steve in, and there's another idea I'd like to work with Dave and Yannick. And, but um, – no, we, we finished in Brazil in December, and in January I was fired. 
how, how did you take that firing? Were, uh, you, were, you, just, were you relieved or were you like... No, no, it was a complete shock. Okay. It's a total shock to me. You know, there I was working on lyrics and songs for a third album, which I thought, I, you know, in my own foolish heart, I thought this is really going to turn things around. Fans are going to see when they hear the third album and it's so positive with all of these great ideas on um, that and great live songs, people, the, the fans are going to go, wow, no, this, now I understand why Blaze is there. This is really good. Um, but I, I didn't get that chance. So all of those ideas that I worked on, I kept for myself and I put them on my Silicon Messiah album. And, uh, and that was it really. I think at the time I was, I was very upset just at, at the time. I mean, they, for me, Iron Maiden has to continue. The world is a better place for having Iron Maiden in it. The music business is a better place for having somebody like Iron Maiden in it. Absolutely. But, um, but I thought I'd be a part of it. So I wasn't resentful because those guys have worked, worked their whole adult lives to make this thing happen, and they've sacrificed so much to get there that, well, if, if that's what they feel they have to do to continue, sometimes difficult choices have to be made. So so that was it. I, I didn't resent them for it, but it was a shock because I thought I'd be making a third album. So it took a long time to recover from that. I got, I got a band together real quickly, wrote my songs and got them recorded and ready for release on the Christmas. But... Uh, that was it. That's uh, there was no way. There's nobody was interested in signing me up or anything. And my album came out on the same week as Iron Maiden. So Silicon Messiah was totally in the shadow of Brave New World, and I didn't. The management and uh, everybody else they didn't book one single gig, not a tour, not a gig, to promote that album, Silicon Messiah. So I knew then, really, well, that's that's the real story, that nobody takes me at the management, nobody takes me seriously as an artist. They don't think I have any value whatsoever. And uh, that's it, really, I'm on my own now. Was there, you said you weren't resentful, but was there any anger at any time between the firing and now the management sort of saying, well, you got no value? That, that's just a natural, uh, that's just that's why everybody feels angry. It's stages of grief, isn't it? Right. Anytime you lose something, I'd lost I'd lost a future that I thought I was going to have. So you grieve over these things. So it's just a natural thing. Sometimes you're angry. Sometimes you're emotional. You know, sometimes you feel sorry for yourself. Uh, these are just natural things that you, that you go through and you have to endure and experience these things to get to the place where you can accept what has happened and have the value of the experience as a lesson in your life um that's the well that's my opinion and now it's well man it's 20 years ago right so so what was the lesson it's 20 years ago so now i'm at the best point i've ever been in my life you know i would never have thought that but now uh, I do everything on my own terms. 
I work with lots of different musicians. I, when I make my solo albums, I make the music I want to make with people I want to work with. I have the most incredible loyal fans around the world, man. It's just incredible. So it's it's the best, really, this is the best part of my career as a musician. I'm not trying to be a big star. I'm not interested in playing stadiums. I, I like to play small places, and sometimes I have to play, you know, places that are a bit bigger because I'm more popular in in some places, but really I just like to get up close and personal. I'm not a rock star. I'm just uh, a singer. I love to sing and, uh, and I like to meet my fans. I like to do, I like to sign and have photos and meet everybody after the show. And uh, that's the important part of it. You know, I, I just feel incredibly blessed, fortunate. I, I feel privileged to have the support that I do have. I'm a, uh, a tiny artist. I'm a cult artist, and just a, there's a, just a few thousand people that know about me in the world of music or heavy metal, even. And uh, but those few people just stick by me so much, man. I'm so proud, and uh, I'm very, very lucky to have such loyal support from my fans. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let me quickly ask you about Steve Harris. He he's you know, essentially he's Mr. Iron Maiden. Uh, tell me about working with him. What was his work ethic like? What was his drive like? Did you learn anything from him? Well, he's an incredibly generous person in the, uh, you know, when it comes to the writing, you know, always listening to your ideas. He helped me shape a lot of my ideas. And I learned so much from him. I mean, this is a guy that's written classic songs of all time in music not just heavy metal but in music some of his songs are absolute all-time classic songs and uh, just as much as uh, just as much as queen or anybody else so you there's a certain level of respect there and to have the insight into how he's done some of these incredible songs songs that you've lived with as a heavy metal fan you know since you start listening to metal um was just incredible that was an incredible experience and and those are the lessons really that those lessons that i learned from steve harris and having man on the edge as the first single from the x factor that's what gave me the confidence um through some very dark times to keep going because I thought, well, if I wrote all the lyrics and the melody to Man on the Edge and I was a part of writing, I wrote Future Real with Steve Harris, I wrote uh, Virus for Best of the Beast with the band, you know. Uh, so I thought, well, if my songs were good enough to go on and I made an album, then my songs are good enough and I, I don't have to question that. It's just I have to make sure that I keep pushing myself to produce the best work that I can. And um, that's the main thing that I learned while I was in Iron Maiden. And, and I just keep going with that. I just try and do the best work that I possibly can and keep reviewing it and looking on it before I release it. And sometimes I'm really happy and other times I go, well, it turned out how it turned out. I'm going you know, to try again on the next album to create the ultimate classic metal album ever. 
And uh, that's always my goal to do that. Were you surprised after Bruce came back that the band continued to play some of your songs, uh, Man on the Edge being one of them? No, no, not at all, because all of that music is Iron Maiden music. It's but, not like I didn't exist. It's We did two big tours together. We had two albums. Both of them sold a million. Um, so it, it's, it's a part of it. It's a part of saying, you know, Maiden have always played something from their first album going right through. So... That, that was it. It might just makes sense. You always play stuff from your last album and you, uh, you nearly always play like one or two of the key songs from each album. So it just makes total sense. And it just shows that it was about the music yeah. and uh, that my involvement with Maiden was about the music and all of that. It was nothing to do um, with, you know, that the music wasn't good enough or anything like that. It was just a reunion. They needed to get people interested. The record company needed to feel that they had to get people interested. Yeah, and I'm I'm very impressed with Maiden for doing that because you look at you know David Lee Roth won't touch any of the Sammy Hager stuff. You look at Motley Crue they won't touch any of the stuff with John Karabi. It's a shame, man. It's it's very limiting. That is, it's it's saying, well, I didn't really mean this when I did it. <laughs> well, it <laughs> is. That's what it's like. It's, I go back and uh, uh, sometimes, you know, in some places I've been going a long time in parts of Europe and I don't play much of my old Maiden stuff because I've, I've already played it to the, to my fans. Uh, but in other places, then I play a lot more and I, I really enjoy singing those songs, you know. It's a, it's a, a great sense of pride for me that, um, that I was involved in that. And it's a, I think it's a real shame that, for me, I'm a fan of ACDC. And if they said we're not going to do another Bon Scott song, I think there'd be some kind of revolution. Yeah. You know, so, uh, that, so that, that's the way I feel about it. I, I think it's very limited, to, uh, very limited. But I can't say. I'm not, I haven't worked with those people. I met Nikki Six many years ago at Donington. And uh, we we had a conversation there, and uh, yeah, we, we we got on okay. But, but that's it, really. I met Dave Lee Roth when I was recording my first album in uh, in Los Angeles at Sound City Studios when I was in Wolf Spain, and uh, you know had a chat with him. I admire his work as well. But really, I, if it was if it was me, I'd I'd be going well. I you know. It's not that you can't sing these Sammy Hagar songs. It's some of these songs are really nice. Yes. You know, they've got a great groove and people liked them and the band performed to thousands of people singing these songs. So why wouldn't you want to uh, relive, uh, you know, give people, uh, give fans, just say, hey, remember this one that we used to do? I don't know. I think it's a bit arrogant. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I would love to see, you know, Motley Crue do Hooligans Holiday or, or Van Halen do Right Now, but, you know, neither here nor there. Uh, you know, we, we had said that we were going to do 20 minutes, so let me ask you a couple more questions here, and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up. Okay. Uh, Wolfsbane, anything going on? There's been on and off for you and your show? It's all going on. It's all going on, but it's going on in secret. <laughs> uh, a so, lot of secret. Yeah, well, we're saving the world. You know, our last album was called Wolfsbane Saves the World, and we are four superheroes that get together and use the power of our music uh, 
every time the world is threatened. Uh, so our last CD, Wolf Spain Saves the World, I think uh, you can uh, check us out at wolf, wolfspainhms.com. And uh, it's a really, really cool album. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun uh, doing our Wolf Spain stuff. We all live now four individual lives, so we struggle to find time to get together to actually make music or even do a gig. But we're always trying to do that, so keep an eye out for us. We we haven't stopped. We're just dormant at the moment. And okay. um, like an angry bear in springtime, we will return yet again to take our share of that spawning salmon. Okay, so good. So, so the band's not broken up, and of course... No, 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 it's always just dormant. We got back together, and that's it. But I, I uh, my solo career is, is my main thing in my life. That's I'm a professional singer, and uh, everybody else does different things. So it's just difficult to get the four guys together in one place for any length of time. So it's not that we're, we're not doing anything. We are doing something. But we're doing it at a kind at a very slow pace. Gotcha. Um, we'll quickly remind folks that you're in uh, Montreal, October 10th at the Fufun Electric. Uh, October 11th, it's Quebec City at La Gite. October 13th, Mavericks in Ottawa. The Mansion in Kingston on October 14th. Uh, Rockpile East or East Side in London on uh, October 16th, and at the Hard Rock Cafe Toronto on October 17th. And then the last question is. Um, in uh, November, November 1st, you're at Festival Vouzier in Vouzier, France, and it says that you're up against Paul Diano. It's Blaze versus Paul. What exactly is that? Um, that's, uh, that's a headline, really, to okay. try and get people interested. And what we do is um, that we, we do, uh, like, uh, it's, it's about a couple of hours, and we both do classic songs from our era of Maiden. So Paul does the things from his albums. Okay. I do stuff from my albums in, with Maiden. And um, it's a really fun show. And sometimes, depending on the uh, level of Jack Daniels, then, uh, <laughs> then we sing a song or two together at the end. So it's a lot of fun. And uh, I, I really enjoy doing those gigs. So it's... It's nice for me. It's like a little holiday to just go back and just sing my old Maiden songs. And uh, and then I, I go back and, and do my own gigs, singing mostly my own material. So it's it's really fun. Well, when I come to Canada on this trip, I'm going to do um, probably 50% of my Iron Maiden songs uh, or songs that I'm known for with Iron Maiden and 50% of songs from my own albums to kind right. of show fans, well, this is what I'm doing now. That it's I haven't stopped since I made. I've made albums every year. Live, I've got two live albums, uh, two DVDs, and I'm a, I'm about to start another studio album. So I want to show people that I'm still going, and hopefully people will see that you know my work is interesting and worthy of supporting. Yeah, I, I certainly uh, think it's uh, worthy of supporting, especially since you're doing it on your own, you're doing it out of a passion, and uh, to me that's honorable, and that, that deserves support. And of course, if I come out to the show on, on not, not if, sorry, let me rephrase that, when I come out to the show on October 10th in Montreal, will I hear Man on the Edge? 
Yes, yes, you will hear Man on the Edge. Will I get any tomatoes thrown at me during that song? No. And will it be you that throws them? No. Okay. Montreal so, fans are very a, respectful. That is a lie, and I know that's a lie. I can <laughs> tell with the tone of your voice. So, but if you want to come up with me and sing Man on the Edge, mate, you're welcome oh, to, I, uh, to come and sing Man on the Edge, sing the chorus with me. <laughs> you know, I, I was on stage at the uh, Montreal, uh, what was it, the uh, Bell Centre with Skid Row years ago and sang back up in one song. So maybe I'll take you up on that. But I love that song. It, it, it's so great. And uh, Montreal and, and all of Quebec is made in territory. I, I don't think the band has done better anywhere else than in this province. So uh, you're going to be well received. Oh, I'm really excited about it. And uh, a huge thank you to all of the fans who bought tickets already. Yep. And uh, I can't wait to get there. And I'll be doing the absolute best that I can. Got a great band together. And I think these are going to be some great shows. And hopefully it's the start of a regular visit. Absolutely. absolutely and i hope, and I hope too. that too and blaze absolute, absolute pleasure talking to you so, so thank you and uh, we'll okay. see you in a couple of weeks thank you i'll get dressed now yeah <laughs> yeah me too all right <laughs> bye-bye now all right bye-bye cheers that was mitch's interview with blaze bailey good stuff mitch thanks for sharing these interviews with the talking metal listeners here yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Uh, you know, I, I think those guys deserve to be heard. And I think uh, the more that we can get the word out there and, and let people hear their, their version of the events with Maiden and what they're doing now, the better. So, so thank you for actually uh, taking him and, uh, and letting them live another day. Yes, absolutely. And so when you saw Blaze, he, he did songs like Fear of the Dark, which absolutely. is a song that was, you know, pre-Blaze era mm -hmm. of, of Maiden and so he's really embracing I guess that song and any of the other older Maiden songs that oh, yeah, you recognize did, uh, in the set list oh yeah I mean let's say it was a couple of weeks ago but he did uh, Trooper oh wow and uh, he did Man on the Edge and what else did he oh he did uh, Running Free oh cool cool um, piano era nice yeah he, he covered all the bases now my memory's a little uh thin because this was a couple of weeks ago but right, right. yeah the, the, Still, there was like yeah. seven or eight in a row at the end and you went oh he's done great and then boom fear of the dark and you go whoa fear of the yeah. dark <laughs> not nice. expecting that that's not a blaze song and then of course running free and you go huh not a bruise song all right, right. um no uh, it, it was fantastic the energy was fantastic i and mean it was a good turnout right you said the place was pretty filled it, it was pretty, yeah, it was full. Um, it was at the Fufun Electrique in Montreal, which, believe it or not, means the electric ass. Wow. Um, that's the name of the club. That's what Fufuns are. And uh, at the electric ass in Montreal, about 700 people can show up uh, for a show. And this must have been easily 650, wow. if, not, if not the full seven. So, yeah, jammed. Wow. I, I, I mean, honestly, I'm surprised. I mean, that's great news. Well, I think the a lot of the credit goes to the promoter as well. The uh, promoter said and advertised that this show was going to start at 9.30, and, and they talked about Blaze was going to sign stuff, and everything was said and done and happened as it was supposed to happen. And, uh, you know, kudos to the promoter for having him in. Kudos to Blaze for being so open to meeting everybody, running the show on time, and then 
playing, I believe it was something like 21 songs or something. It was like, it was about two hours, two, two hours and 10 minutes. I mean, it was, it was long, but it didn't feel long. Even after the two hours, you went, all right, give me some more. I'm, I'm ready for some more. Yeah. Because that, that pickup of those seven Maiden songs at the end, uh, the classic Maiden songs, because there were uh, Virtual X and other songs. Uh, what was the other album? X Factor or whatever? Uh, uh, yeah, the X Factor was was their 10th record, their first right. with Blaze. And then Virtual 11 was the the yeah. second record with with Blaze. Yeah, Maiden's I mean, 11th record. Yeah. He had that stuff peppered in throughout the set. And, uh, you know, so, so there was Maiden content up front, too. But at that end. It was just brilliant. And, you know, the other thing that was brilliant is that he's got a package called, uh, you know, sort of a 30th anniversary Blaze Bailey CD that he sells mm-hmm. at the show. It's two discs. It's about roughly about 40 songs. And he charges you $15 Canadian for it, which these days with the exchange rate is about $12 American for a double CD, full booklet, a slip case, the whole thing. I mean, Blaze is not out to rip you off. And... I'm just as a Kiss fan, I go, wow! I'm so used to getting ripped off. That yeah. What What are you doing, Blaze? You're 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 throwing off my my perception of what a rock star should be. So no, so so great night. And uh, and you know he talks about in the interview that you uh, that you guys just heard. He talks about the album Silicon Messiah, which is an yeah. album I I actually was it was completely off my radar in the year 2000 when it came out. But after hearing Mitch's interview, I went to my uh, Spotify and added it on. And wow, that's a great record. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. so, he's, so. he's been putting out records pretty consistently ever since leaving Maiden. Uh, Silicon Messiah in 2000, Tenth Dimension 2002, Blood and Belief 2004, The Man Who Would Not Die uh, 2008, Promise and Terror 2010, The King of Metal 2012. So, I mean, this guy's staying busy with new material. Yeah, and doing it independently. It's basically him and his family that get these CDs out. They put all in the, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears, everything. There's no record companies. It's a sort of a one-family show. You listen, good for Blaze. Really yeah. good for Blaze. Yeah, and I mean, if there's somebody you're going to support, somebody that needs support, I, I, you know, give it to Blaze. Go pay for one of his CDs, buy his music. Uh, this guy is out there working it, and I think he uh, – he and delivering, oh, yeah, and delivering. I mean, I mean you're you're really supporting a, a a true artist who is absolutely delivering great heavy metal music. Yeah, and the and the show is not a letdown. You, you don't get out there and go, oh, he played twelve songs and went home. Uh, no, I mean it, it was worth the. I think the Montreal tickets were twenty or twenty five dollars. Most people would have paid seventy five walking out of there after what they saw. Wow. So. You know, oh, on, I, I need to I need to see his his solo tour. I hope he comes through uh, New York or New Jersey soon. Hey, Mitch. Of course, before we let you go, before we end today's episode, you are here on Talking Metal episode five hundred two. I always have to ask you a little bit about Kiss, and I'm going out to Las Vegas in less than a month to uh, check out one of the the shows at the Hard Rock Casino right. out there, the Joint, I guess it's called. What are you thinking? Are you, are you thinking it's going to be the same set list every single night, or you think they'll be mixing it up a little bit? 
you think um, I should expect surprises, or do you think it'll just be the mainstream songs that they figure the drunk casino gamblers are going to want to hear? No, I think there's going to be sort of a skeleton set list that you know you're probably going to hear rock and roll all night. You're probably going to hear Detroit Rock City and 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 those ones that you really can't take out of the set. But I, I think they'll mix it up. But of course. You know, with with the vocal issues that that Paul Stanley has been having, I don't think he can go too deep into the catalog. I don't think he can do a lot of the '80s stuff. But I think you are going to get some surprises. It, it doesn't make sense to go to Vegas, whether you're Guns N' Roses, Def Leppard, Kiss, uh, Ozzy, or whoever, and not throw in a few extras because right. I think that could be a career. That would I think that could be career suicide if you do eight or nine or ten shows in a row and you play the same fifteen songs. I, I think fans would just go, "All right, all right that's it. We're done. Thank yeah. you. We're done." So no, I, I think it'll sort of be like the Kiss cruise, but on land. Yeah, I mean, because the Def Leppard uh, Kiss tour, we didn't really get. They didn't really go too deep. I mean, we had what was uh, "Hide Your Heart," right? They played that, but besides that, there wasn't anything real. No, there was nothing. Oh there was gosh. nothing deep. Yeah. And what was more striking about that is that here is the 40th anniversary tour celebrating 40 years of music. And they played 14 songs, pretty much all from the 70s, uh, except for Hide Your Heart. And you're like, wow, <laughs> 40th anniversary tour. Could you maybe get the like 20 songs and throw in a couple from the 90s and a couple from the 80s just to let yeah. everybody be part of the celebration, not just us 45, 46, 47-year-old geezers that go, oh, yeah, we remember 1978. Yeah. A lot of their fans don't. Right. But listen, that's, that's – And nothing that's off of Monster or Sonic Boom, of course. No. <laughs> Two albums that I – I know a lot of KISS fans don't like those records. I, I am a fan of those records. I really would love to hear some songs off of those records. But I, I and I go. I'll go back to. I'll, I'll belabor the point. But it's a 40th anniversary. Whether you like the Elder, whether you like Cra uh, Carnival of Souls, whether you like Monster, those songs should have been represented in a 40th anniversary set. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. But hey, it's still the 40th anniversary tour. They're in Vegas. Perhaps this is where you get the payoff and the treats. All right. Well, I'll let you know. We got great seats right up front, so we are looking forward to that. I'm, I'm going to be there 48 hours, seeing two shows in 48 hours. I'm seeing Kiss and then uh, Red Dragon Cartel, which should be fun to see Jakey Lee. I haven't seen him since uh, the Ultimate Sin Tour back in like 1986, so I'm excited for that too. Wow, that'll be fun. And by the way, just uh, quickly on Blaze and uh, Paul, in Europe, they are touring together a tour called Blaze versus Paul and uh, they're doing these back-and-forth maiden sets and stuff. I would love to see that come to North America. And, again, if that could show up at Heavy Montreal on that third stage, which is out, you know, off to the side, I think that would be brilliant. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun, definitely. Heavy Montreal. I plan to be there this August, yes. August 2015. Great stuff. All right, Mitch. Well, thank you for joining us again on Talking Metal. We hope to have you back real soon. Absolutely. In the meantime, uh, guys, check Mitch out on One on One with L Mitch LaFon, a podcast that I actually am a part of uh, quite frequently. We yes. just actually posted a a video interview that Mitch did with Jason Becker, which is this is a real special episode. 
we have it linked through talkingmetal.com. It's on Mitch's YouTube page. Uh, Mitch, what is your YouTube page? That's a good question. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, youtube.com angel of ace. Okay. Well, we'll have that linked. It's a, it's a great chat with Jason who does all his his speaking basically through his father. It's really kind of an incredible thing to watch. So definitely do yourself a favor if you were ever a fan of Jason Becker uh, with his David Lee Roth stuff or the cacophony stuff or his solo stuff, you need to check this out. And even if you weren't a fan and you want to just kind of get educated to who he was, I recommend you check out one-on-one -on -one with Mitch LaFon episode, I think 62. 62. Right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. With and Jason Becker. Great stuff. Yeah. And of course, head over to jasonbeckerguitars.com. So there you go. That'll do it for today. Remember to support Squarespace. Use that offer code METAL when you're checking out. You'll get 10% off. And we will see you next time on Talking Metal. Thanks, Mitch. Thank you.